0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to True Crime Paranormal. I'm Christy Brower. You're with my partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hey, Katie. Hello. We're excited to be bringing you our weekly regular episode about, you know, something true crime and something paranormal. And it's both today, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I'm loving it. But as is our custom, let's do a quick check-in. So, Katie, how are you doing?
1: I am a hot mess. (laughs) Oh. Wow,, well, uh, you know, as you guys we were talking about, you most of you probably heard us talk about, we uh, were vendors at a witch's market yesterday with lots of things that we make and sell. and yeah. it was great. We had a super good day. Um, but I have worked so hard the last couple of weeks to make sure I had all of my product ready that you guys would just be horrified by my house, really? <laughs> Luckily, I pay a cleaning lady and and she's, you know, helped us out quite a bit but i still i i hate this place right now <laughs> so, tomorrow i really have to get my act together but anyway i i'm truly fine just uh a little astonished at this moment and pretty shocked at the state of my fridge i'm really really gonna have to buy groceries we've had a spoonful of peanut butter for dinner a little too often recently <laughs> so, <laughs> i don't think that counts as dinner i just no. Just gonna put that out there. It'll get to be like eleven thirty, and somebody's like, "Are we gonna cook dinner?" God. <laughs> well, who has time for that now? So, mm-hmm. anyway, I'm yeah. It's just you know how you just kind of get to that point that you go, "I've got to declutter, reset, like ugh, get it together," and yeah. that's where I am. So, I'm mm-hmm. actually truly fine. I've just got to get my shit together. That's all. <laughs> so <laughs> well, that that's tomorrow's goal. At least maybe I can get like half of it together or something. Well, there you go. I hope you can. My kid is on Spud Harvest. So most of you guys have no idea what Spud Harvest is. I learned this by doing radio, you know, over the years that uh, this was a concept to me that's no big shocker, you know. uh, Grew up with it all our lives. Yeah, unless you live around Idaho, you don't know, but you've heard of the Idaho potato, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So if y'all want to be able to have your Lay's potato chips or go into big guys and have your fries and so on and so forth the potato harvest takes a huge chunk of people and time and there's a short window in which the farmers can bring the potatoes in and especially this year because it got cold pretty quick it'll be an interesting harvest I think but um, anyway so what's going to happen right now is that most of the schools will close for a week or two our high school our whole school district is closed for like 18 days Because so many teachers and so many kids from like junior high up through high school work in potatoes, yeah. And so yeah, so we're on spot harvest, and my kid is not working in potatoes, so she doesn't know it yet. But she'll be helping me get my shit together. So (laughs) well, good. There you go. Yeah, we worked in potatoes for years and years when we were kids. Yeah, it is a
0: dirty, cold, hard freaking job. (laughs) I'm glad I don't have to do (laughs) it anymore.
1: our job, the, us the two of us, and our other sister and a couple of our friends, we were would ride on the combine. So the combine is this big piece of equipment that these big t- tractors pull through the field, and all of the potatoes come past you as they're dug out of the field on a conveyor belt. Yeah. And our job was to pick rocks out of the off the conveyor belt as fast as we could—rocks or debris dead animals that sometimes yeah, came through Dead birds. Oh, we would oh. get in trouble because we'd let dead animals go into the cellar because, um, cause so they would, cause we didn't want to touch them. But yeah, what we don't be fighting over who had to touch it. And before you knew it, it
0: was in the truck yeah, before we <laughs> do anything
1: about it. Well, or one of our gloves that got torn off by a, it's a dangerous job, you know, mm-hmm. like a Glove that ended up in the cellar because it got ripped off. Luckily it wasn't your finger. Yeah. So we'd stand out on that combine day in and day out in the rain and the sleet and snow or sun or, you know, this time mm-hmm. of year in Idaho, you a lot of times get all four seasons in one day. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. And we were thrilled to do it because we came out of it with, a, you know, a chunk of change. We made some money, so we loved it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It it was worth it back in the day, but I'm glad I don't mm-hmm. have to do it anymore. We would have competitions to see who could find the biggest potato. Yeah. And you'd pull that off and hang on to it and go home and bake it and bring it back the next day for your lunch. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah it was, you know. We're easily entertained here in the great state of Idaho, I think. Apparently, we are. <laughs> so, yay, it's bud harvest. <laughs> well, I'm good. I'm going through some really big changes in my life and some directional wow. changes. My, I was laid off from my job, which was a kind of expected, kind of unexpected situation. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to be doing some different stuff, which is exciting. I, I think actually I will have more time to put into this podcast, which I'm excited yeah. about. So well, that I'm going to see some new stuff. Up. Yeah. yeah.
1: I've seen you land on your feet a great many times, so I know yes. that you will. I will. But um, uh, you know, exciting things will be coming. So yeah,
0: you know, I think so. I'm I'm excited and I'm feeling this space in my head of like all the room that I've has been taken up by my duties at my job that yeah. I can use for other stuff. And, yeah. and and that's actually the start of that was the idea for tonight's show. Yeah. So tonight. Yeah tonight, today, whenever, whenever you're listening to this, we're (laughs) recording it at night, obviously. Um, We want to talk about uh, children who experience past life memories and Mm -hmm. some of whom have actually solved their own murder in a previous life, um, who have, you know, identified as being someone identifiable. I just think it's very interesting, this concept of, you know, maybe this isn't the only life we live. Some things that they knew at at the time, and Katie, you mm-hmm. and I have both had some pi- past life memory experiences in our own mm-hmm. lives.
1: Mm-hmm. But both I think it's pretty and our kids. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And
0: uh, I I just think that there's some pretty interesting stories out there because some of them children actually were able to solve the their murder from the life prior to this one. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to tell you some stories tonight. Talk about it, of course. You know, if you're listening on a platform where you can comment back to us, please do. We love to hear what people have to say and, you know, mm-hmm. what your thoughts are on this. Not everybody believes in reincarnation. That's okay. But there's something very interesting going on here. Mm-hmm. And it's something that's been going on for a long time. It's, it's yeah. quite well documented.
1: Well, and you and I professionally have worked at, in, in past life regression as, and as past life regressionists for yes. 15 years. Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of experience in this field. Yeah, we do.
0: So certainly have experienced a lot ourselves. Plus, you mm-hmm. our clients experience a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it'd be fun to tie it into true crime and maybe tell a couple of stories yeah. out there that uh, about children who actually solve their own murders from their prior yes. life. So I'm going to tell you the first one. This is a really famous one. This is about a little boy, a little Israeli child who lived near near Syria. And uh, this story was told to a man named um, Dr. Eli Lash. And Eli Lash was a physician in Israel who did a lot of research about past lives and children's past lives, past life experiences. So he investigated a case where this young boy, and they, they don't use any names, but this little boy who was about three. Um, started reporting that he remembered a previous life in which he was murdered by being hit in the head with an Mm axe. And he did actually have a red birthmark on his head that may have indicated where he had been hit with the axe. Now, his parents were Druza, and um, the Druza people believe in reincarnation, so this was not Mm -hmm. um, a surprising thing for him, you know, growing up but even at three, I mean, he was really little to have these yeah. things, to have these kinds of memories. Oh, um, yeah. But there were some his his family and some of the elders in their village decided that they were going to try to figure out if this story was true after he started talking about it and telling it. And so he said that he lived in a different village from the village that they lived in. So
1: mm-hmm. they
0: started taking him around to neighboring villages to see if he recognized any place. And the third village that they went to, um, he, he knew that place. He identified the names of several people from his past lifetime there who lived there in that village. And he also knew the first and last name of himself in that uh, incarnation and the first and last name of the man who murdered him, Yeah, who was a person who was still living in this community. Mm-hmm. So, um, who had been his
1: next door neighbor? Right. Yeah, yeah. His
0: next door neighbor. Yeah. So the man that he claimed to be had been missing for four years. Yeah, and it would just was kind of assumed that he'd been killed, but they nobody really knew. But you know, you got to remember this is kind of on the border between Israel and Syria, and Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people were often disappeared in that place. Mm -hmm. Um. So. They go through the village, and so that the boy is able to point out the house where he used to live. He gives his name, it gives all this information that that people in the community can can verify, but they have no idea how this three old three-year-old child knows any of this. Mm-hmm. So people in the village kind of start gathering, trying to figure out what's going on here. And the boy walks right up to this man and calls him by his name. Mm-hmm. And the man did say that, yes, that in fact was his name. And and so the little boy says to this man, I used to be your neighbor. We had a fight and you killed me with an ax. And Dr. Lash, who was there at the time, said that the man's face became white as a sheet. And then the three-year-old said, I even know where you buried my body.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And so then he led a group of people, including the man that he had accused, to this pile of stones out in a field. And he said, he buried my body under the stones. And then he buried the axe over there. Mm-hmm. So they dug it up. And sure enough, there's a skeleton of a man there. And the, he has dem- damage in the skull that looks like an axe wound.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. So at this point, um, the, the neighbor admits that, yes, he did kill that man. He committed the crime. Mm-hmm. Um, then they did cause I mean, how could he not in this situation? It's <laughs> just crazy. Yeah. So he admits it. And then they go to where the boy says the murder weapon was buried and they go and they find it. It was exactly where it was buried. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently the, uh, the doctor wanted to know what would happen to this murderer. And this is, you know, some of this is just kind of lore. So we don't know totally what happened. Mm-hmm. So part of this story has been told and documented, and some of it isn't. Um, he was not turned over to the police. The murderer wasn't. Um, what actually happened to him was not reported, but they said that the little boy um, told the the people in the community what his punishment should be, and they took care of the punishment, which is just really interesting. hmm the the thing is, if this was the only story like that, you'd go, eh, eh, maybe, I don't know, you know, and, and how right. much was he coached and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it's not even
1: close to the only oh. story out there. There are tons more. right? Well, Dr. Ian Stevenson uh, was a professor at the University of Virginia yeah. and had a whole team of researchers there researching this fast past life, life phenomena. And they were traveling a lot to the Middle East because there is an India because there is a greater belief of reincarnation there. And so these stories were more prevalent mostly because, uh, you know, I mean, this happens all the time with, you know, whatever families, but, you know, there, when these stories start coming out of children, they're believed and revered and and researched. So if this is sounding curious to you guys, I highly recommend that you go to Amazon and check out Ian Stevenson. Uh, he has passed, but he has an enormous body of work and many books about children and past lives that are phenomenal. Yeah. In fact, when I first started studying to be a past life regressionist, Dr. Ian Stevenson's work had a huge effect on me. Mm-hmm. Really interesting stuff.
0: Super interesting. And so much of it just undeniable.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, how how would a, a small child know any of those things? Mm -hmm. when you're three i mean you talk about an older kid maybe they could have picked it up from somewhere but a three-year-old child they're not gonna just pick up this information from someone you know that so uh we were just gonna kind of take turns telling some stories that we've learned so what have you got for us
1: i have another solved crime from a past life memory this was a little boy in turkey his name was semi tootsmoose and he was born with a serious deformity on his right ear, mm-hmm. uh, just for no reason, but his right ear was seriously deformed. And when he was two, nearly three, he started talking about the fact that he was shot in the ear, uh, shot in the side of his head on the right side by a man called Issa Durbekil. Mm-hmm. And Semi was able to tell his parents what his name was in his past life. It was Salim Fesley. And he gave them the names of his wife and six children. Oh my goodness. And from the time that he was two until four, he was constantly asking for his wife, talking about his children, wondering where they were, how they were doing, uh, talking about that ear and how, you know, he, he knows why it's like that. And so when he was four, he was taken to a village that he had mentioned lots of times and by his parents and i believe by some researchers and they went to his a house they went to a village and he took them straight to the house that he'd lived in during his past life he introduced himself to his family including his wife and mm-hmm. yeah and he saw isa and he uh, freaked out, started screaming at him and throwing rocks at him. So this little four-year-old kid sees this grown adult and starts screaming at him, throwing rocks at him and telling people that uh, this is the man who killed me. Wow! And it upset and shook Issa up so much that he admitted to the crime and said it was an accident. And, uh, but that he did cover up the crime because he didn't want to be, you know, in trouble for it. He didn't want to claim it. Mm-hmm. He actually went to jail for two years for that crime. Wow. And then our little uh, kiddo and his family go back home and he stayed in contact with his wife and his children and, you know, continued uh, to have, you know, a relationship with them to some capacity as he was growing up. It's a very interesting story. Wow, that is. But again, yeah, isn't that interesting to think that, uh, you know, a murderer. Might not only have to cover up the, uh, you know, being caught in this life uh, or, you know, (laughs) maybe they'll be caught in this life by uh, the reincarnation of the person they killed. Really really interesting stuff. Yeah,
0: very just something to think about a little bit about, you know, maybe things aren't as cut and dried and black and white and Mm -hmm. time and, you know, maybe things aren't as as, um, sure as we think they are. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, there are so many stories, um, mm-hmm. but this one I think is really interesting. I've read the, about this kid before. So this uh, child was born in Seattle, and he knew um, at two that he was the fourth reincarnation Of the original Tibetan Lama, which is, you know, Lama is a Tibetan word for guru, uh, Dezong Rinpoche the first. So he was the third, the fourth reincarnation of that original Lama. So um, there'd been a lot of signs around this child's birth. And of course, that's that's a belief in Tibetan Buddhism that the lamas do come back repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, Denzing the Third had told his acolytes in 1987, which is the year that he died, was that he would be reborn in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And so this little boy was born in 1991. His name was or is uh, Sonam Wangdu. Which, of course, I have no idea if I'm saying that correctly or not. Um, And but he had visions of his mother, um, you know. All he he just had all of these things that he was sure, and and Mm -hmm. his parents became very sure as well. In 1996, um, he started. He he was only answering to the name. trukula uh, uh, which means reincarnation and he left his family forever to be raised um, in tibet and katmandu actually sorry in nepal mm-hmm. katmandu to be raised by the the monks while studying tibetan buddhism wow and he did um, eventually become the head of the monastery there and uh, let's see He's he's still there, uh, as far as I can tell, mm-hmm. and is still um, leading and teaching, and, and and fully believes himself to be the reincarnation of uh, Denzinger Pochet. Wow! So he would be now the fourth. But I mean, you got to think, and I and and I suspect that they his parents were probably Buddhist, although in the picture the boy looks like he's a white kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but can you imagine being in Seattle? And your child at two is starting to, you know, talk yeah. about that he knows who he is and he's this uh, Tibetan Lama. This is just really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a lot of crossover um, culturally yeah. and it's possible there is. It doesn't say if his parents were Tibetan Buddhists mm-hmm. and they certainly could have been. But uh, it's not as though he was like born in Nepal or Tibet or, you know, in that same culture. He was definitely born very far from all of that. Mm-hmm. But knew at two that that's who he was, and he was so he was so convinced that at six at six his parents let him go to go mm-hmm. and be trained.
1: Wow, wild! That is really wild. Wow, yeah. Well, I have a story of a little guy who turned out uh, to have some pretty phenomenal memories. So his mother's name is Kathy Bird. They are from Los Angeles, and. She had a little boy who when he from the time he was born was just you know, from the time he was could walk, he was absolutely into baseball in a mm-hmm. big way. And and neither of his parents were baseball people at all.
0: Mm. But
1: this little one couldn't get enough of baseball. Every time they went into a store, he wanted a ball, he wanted a this, he wanted a that. So by the time he was two and a half, you know, he had little teeny cleats and he had a bat and he had a ball and, you know, and a mitt and it was, all he wanted to do was play ball all the time. Well, they had taken a trip to Boston and they went to Fenway park. Uh, Some friends of theirs had tickets to a game and so they got to go. And when they were walking through uh, the, uh, on their way to their seats, you know, into the park, There is an enormous picture there of Babe Ruth, and when he saw that picture, he got really, really upset and pissed off and was screaming and yelling that I I hate him, I don't like him, he's mean to me, he's a bad man. And they were like, what the hell? They didn't even know who Babe Ruth was. (laughs) I (laughs) mean, These people didn't do baseball. The reason they went to Fenway Park is because this kid was so into baseball. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he was so upset, they left. They didn't even go to the game.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: They got back to L.A. And and he started saying things to his mom like, when I was tall like daddy, I was a baseball player. And she's like, okay. And so she would ask him questions like, oh, did you fly on airplanes? And he would say, no, I went on trains. Hmm. Well, she's thinking, this is interesting. Uh, a very strict Christian family that did not believe in past lives or reincarnation. Mm-hmm. And so these stories filling out of this kid were really confusing to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and upsetting, but really fascinating, you know. And so, they've been careful to not like shut him down because it was just wild what was coming out of him. Mm-hmm. One thing that he did all the time that she thought was so weird is he would sit on the couch with a, the dog's bone and rub it on his bat all the time. Mm-hmm. And she always thought that was the weirdest thing and wondered why he was doing that, but he used to do that all the time, mm-hmm. anyway. He also uh, would nag everyone to constantly pitch to him so he could bat. (laughs) So they spent all the time in the backyard with this little teeny kid batting and pitching balls to him. So he had started, uh, by the time he was three, at bedtime, a lot of times he would talk about the olden days when he was a baseball player. And he would often tell them uh, about Babe Ruth, that he was not a nice man that uh, he was a bad guy, that he mm-hmm. didn't like Gabe Ruth, And again, she was just uh, taking notes and listening to what he had to say. And he would tell them about specific games when the Dodgers played in New York. And he said that they had to play during the day back then because they didn't have lights on their fields. This is a three-year-old oh, wow. saying this stuff right. that makes no sense. So she finally and that And started- he would
0: know that they traveled by train and not by plane.
1: Mm -hmm. So she starts Googling a little bit, trying to figure out who could he possibly be referring to. So she learned some interesting things. One of the things she learned is that uh, they used to keep cow femurs in the dugout for the players to rub on their bats because they believed it to uh, break their bats in and condition them. So he'd been rubbing the dog's bone on his bat all that time because that's what they used to do. Oh, my gosh. So many things that he told them turned out to be historically accurate. And mm-hmm. so she finally reached out to a past life regressionist for some help with uh, a woman named Carol Bowman who specializes in child past oh, life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so Carol had suggested that they get some pictures going, you know, find some pictures of baseball players in Babe Ruth's time and see if we could help this kid identify who he's talking about. So she shows him a picture of a man with big dimples from 1927, uh, the 1927 Yankees. And he says, that's me. Turns out that was Lou Gehrig. Wow. And in doing more research, she discovered that Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth had a very well-documented feud, that they'd been good friends and had a falling out and hated each other. Wow. I had no idea. interesting. Uh, when he, she showed him a picture of Lou Gehrig's parents, He knew them by name and also pointed to the mother and said, that's you, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Which, no, she did not know, but she was pretty surprised. Mm -hmm. So this one is interesting to me because she felt so guilty about the whole thing because of her religion. Mm -hmm. And felt like she couldn't not listen to her child, but at the same time, it didn't make any sense to her. You know, Mm -hmm. she almost felt like this was a sin, you know, what was happening here. And she did a big uh, research project herself into the history of religion and the Bible surrounding surrounding the idea of pre-existence and rebirth Mm -hmm. and discovered that there was a time when the Bible did contain information about past lives and reincarnation, and -hmm. it was scrubbed from the Bible. Uh, during Constantine the Great's era, right, and that in fact that became a forbidden topic that people could be jailed for even discussing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I didn't know that. I felt like that was interesting. Uh, interesting uh, information. Lots of
0: stuff got removed from the Bible by Constantine, yeah. and a lot of the way that um, interpretation yeah uh, of yeah. the Bible was changed during Constantine because Constantine was all about being able to use the Bible to control its people.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, that helped her to resolve her, uh, you know, feelings around that. But mm-hmm. at any rate, pretty interesting. So she did, finally decided to have a past life regression herself. Mm-hmm. And she did a past life regression that uh, lasted a three hours, a three hour hypnosis session, which is oh so wild. Goodness. I can't imagine doing a past life regression that lasts that long. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine how tired you would be, but at any rate, in listening to the tapes, she spoke in the first person as Lou Gehrig's mother, Christina. Oh my gosh. And she described many scenes from her life and situations from her life that proved to be historically accurate. So at any rate, she and her son obviously came back together Mm -hmm. as mother and son again. Pretty interesting. Very interesting. Wow. So one of the stories she told was about a specific piece of jewelry And that she had wanted to give that piece of jewelry to a family member after she died. And she was able to find that family through the National Baseball Hall of Fame through their documentation. Oh wow! And when she contacted them, she found out that they did indeed inherit that piece of jewelry. It was something she'd been worried about that maybe they didn't receive it, but as it turned out they did. But uh, that was one uh, piece of like evidence that really shocked people because uh, very few people would have actually known about that, you know, sure. that that piece of jewelry. Anyway, I mean, they'd their family had had that piece of jewelry for sixty years. She'd been dead for sixty years when she had this past life regression. Christina wow. Gehrig had had been dead for sixty years. Yeah. Anyway, it's just a very uh, interesting story, mm-hmm. and I I personally have no doubt. If you're interested in that story, it is there's a book called The Boy Who Knew Too Much by Kathy bird mm-hmm. that uh, you could check out if you're interested in getting more info on that story. But I just love that one. I thought that was a really sweet one. Yeah. yeah. Loved that uh, maybe Lou Gehrig gets a second chance to, you know, not have ALS this time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Had a little more time to do what he wants to do.
0: Hmm. Wow. Wow. Amazing yeah. to know those kinds of things. I mean, you just can't deny that a little boy would not know
1: any of no that. child like
0: that would not know yeah well i have another interesting one uh vladimir levinsky who must have changed his name but he was originally born as david seacombe in england in the 1930s was born with an innate gift for playing the piano and he actually just taught himself to be a concert pianist which um he did not take lessons he actually refused to take lessons and said i have no time for them i have a technique of my own Can you imagine being a child teaching yourself to play the piano and I don't need lessons? Mm -hmm. It was like he was remembering. Mm -hmm. Um, He, as a young child, recognized himself as the reincarnation of Franz Liszt. Uh, Liszt was a German composer and pianist, very famous. Mm -hmm. And by the time um, Vladimir Levinsky was 21, he was... um, like performing for packed concert halls and mm-hmm. you know super super popular but he was really obsessed with list and and his connection to list mm-hmm. and it was he it kind of got in his way like sometimes in, during a concert he would stop playing so that he could talk about list and talk about his connection to list instead of just playing and it got kind of kind of became a mental health issue for him it sounds mm-hmm. like because he was so sure. That that's, that's who he was, but he was literally just born with the ability to uh, play the piano that well. And, and like list did, I wow. you know a lot of people didn't understand what he was talking about or how that could be, you know? And so that, that, that became a hindrance for him, mm-hmm. but uh, he had no doubt at all that that's wow. exactly who he was.
1: Yeah. I've wondered that so many times about various kids who have, Skills well beyond their uh, age, you know, yeah. well beyond the skill set that they should have. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they just brought them in from another life,
0: yeah. And for what what reason? Which we don't totally know. What reason? Sometimes, you know, people come in with those memories, and you know, most of the time we don't. But occasionally, yeah. and 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 it's very possible that we all do to some extent as young children, but it gets squashed, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and. You know particularly in in Western culture where that isn't so much a belief sure. um you know I can see how it be, could be quashed because one of the re- things the researchers have figured out is that kids kind of remember things between like two or three to age six or so
1: uh-huh.
0: if it's not supported and and documented as they get older they will forget because we forget our early mm-hmm. childhood we don't really actually have conscious memory of those mm-hmm. years and so then we lose that information. So it is kind of like having a dream
1: and waking up from that dream. Yeah. And it might be very vivid for a minute, but then it just. But then it isn't. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm
0: -hmm. So having parents that encourage it and understand it and, Mm -hmm. you know.
1: Yeah. That certainly helps. Oh, definitely. Well, you know, as you know, I've had a couple of experiences with my youngest daughter that uh, have Always blown me away. Uh, first of which is that when she was really little, from the time she was two ish oh, for, for a while, every so often she would be get extremely scared about a volcano. Yes. And she would cry and cry and cry that the volcano, the volcano, we're going to die. It's the volcano. And know that we don't live that far from the Yellowstone Super Volcano. No, not that and far so, at all. I, you know, and anytime anyone talked about Yellowstone and the volcano there, she would get really upset. Um, basically, I had to threaten everyone around us, talk to this kid about volcanoes, and I will have to murder you. So don't, yeah. don't talk to her about volcanoes, yeah. because we would have multiple sleepless nights with her absolutely terrified. And I finally realized this is a past life thing. Yeah, it's a past life thing. And the more I talked to her about it, the more I'm convinced that it was Mount Vesuvius, that she actually experienced. It wasn't the Yellowstone volcano, but I do believe that she died in a volcanic uh, eruption um, in showing her pictures and talking to her about that area that became pretty clear to me that it was Mount Vesuvius or something else, uh, you know, with a relatable story, because that Mm -hmm. was something that came up for me. But the other one was that when she was five, we went to Salmon, Idaho, to the Sacagawea Discovery Center. Yeah. Yeah and that's a really cool place and you it's a big walking tour and you walk yeah. through all these different kinds of you know displays and things showing you how she, sacagawea lived and you know various things about lewis and clark and their expedition and we're walking through there hand in hand and she just stops and she looks up at me and she goes you were her and i said i was who and she said you were sacagawea just <laughs> deadpan and i'm like what you <laughs> talking about and she goes mom you're Sacagawea don't you know and that was it and then we just went on our way but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would always really grab me too because of my own uh draw to that heritage you know yeah but anyway that uh and many other things with her but those are two that really jump out at me right now is ones that uh blew my mind yeah yeah
0: and it was all when she was really little and Uh she doesn't really talk about any of that stuff now.
1: No, uh -uh. but at the time it wasn't like, like her countenance would change. Her demeanor would change her speech became more clear than maybe a three year old or four year old, a five year old. I mean, you know what? She would pierce your soul, you know, with the clarity of the way she was talking to you, like Mm -hmm. adult to adult face to face, you know, not a little kid talking, but more like an adult talking. Yeah? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. But I think it's something that, you know, we've really only scratched the surface on. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, to, to fully understand. Um, and, you know, if you're if you're on YouTube and you want to share some stories uh, in the chat for mm-hmm. this uh, video in the comments, please do. We'd love to hear mm-hmm. your stories. It's very interesting. You know, you can go out there into Internet land and on Reddit and stuff. And there are tons of stories like this. People tell stories about their children all the time.
1: Oh, gosh. I On TikTok, just recently, I saw a lady who, um, on 9-11, she was watching some stuff about the Twin Towers. And her little girl said, oh, I died there. Yeah. Which is always scary for a parent to hear, right? She Mm -hmm. was like, what? Anyway, she told her a very detailed story about how she was in one of the hallways and things got very dark and people were crying and jumping out windows. And this little girl couldn't have possibly known any of this, you know? telling her all of these things. She told her what her name was, what her job was, the name of her boyfriend, the name of their dog. And this mom is actively right now searching for that family, you know, to to verify this story. But this little one just deadpan explained all of this stuff to her mom, just totally out of the blue when they saw some things on TV about the Twin Towers that must have, you know, Mm -hmm. piqued her memory in some way. Must have. Yeah. Really
0: interesting. And there's, you know, like you said, we've mentioned several of the researchers. There are a lot of books out there where they've gone out and, you know, verified some of these stories and actually found people, found graves, mm-hmm. you know, names, witnesses, that kind of thing that, that mm-hmm. it's out there. And, you know, I mean, of course, there are the skeptics and people who don't believe it, but it's sure. the, when you read the body of of evidence, the body of work that's been done by some of these researchers,
1: it's it's hard to deny pretty compelling stuff it is yeah Mm -hmm. and of course you should be skeptical we should always right skepticism is healthy you know Mm -hmm. and and no one should ever just believe everything just because someone else said it or just because it's on the internet you know right yeah it's a a very interesting topic and the uh the topic of children you know solving their own murders or adults solving their own murders uh it's happened more than a couple times it's happened quite a bit so anyway. It's
0: very interesting topic. that you would have that because often with these past life memories, one of the, one of the most vivid memories they have is how they died, that they can yeah. tell you exactly how they died. Mm-hmm. And, and so because of that, they, you know, sometimes have been able to go back and actually solve their own murder, which is, I mean, that is true crime paranormal on <laughs> steroids. <laughs> right.
1: There it is. Mic drop. Yep. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Most definitely. But I'm curious to hear if you have stories of your own, please share those over in in YouTube on this video. We'd love to hear about it. Yeah. Just love it. So we have so much fun stuff coming up for you guys. We have our Mm -hmm. cemetery tour coming up the second weekend in October. We're going to be doing some live streams and telling some stories and going to some really cool uh, cemeteries and showing you some really interesting graves and headstones and stuff. Yeah. We're excited about that. And always, if you love what we do and want to support us, you can do that by going over to Patreon and finding true crime paranormal over there. If you become Mm -hmm. a patron, you get some free extra content with us. So we do some extra shows every month that only our patrons get to see. Yeah. We love to share that with you. Of course we do have a Facebook fan page and a, uh, discussion group, and they are both called True Crime Paranormal as well. Uh-huh. Come find us over there if you want to talk to us. We love case recommendations, particularly unsolved cases, because that's what we normally do. Uh-huh. Uh, but please feel free to share and communicate with us. We we love hearing from all of you. We,
1: uh-huh.
0: we had a really fun experience this weekend where we met a listener um, who has been, uh, well, I think she's actually a, a viewer of our show on YouTube, uh-huh. and she lived in Florida. And she recently moved to the town where Katie lives. <laughs> and we were at yeah. this witch's market and she came right up to us and she knew exactly who she was, who we were. And she introduced yeah. herself and she said, I just moved here from Florida and I watch your show and I love you guys. <laughs> it, was just, it was a cool experience. I got to tell you.
1: It's super fun. We had quite a few people that came to our booth that I listened it's, to it. Our kids couldn't believe it. Yeah. You know, cause we're just dorky old moms. Right. right yeah. <laughs> my, my daughter was like, a lot of people here know you, and I'm like, well, duh. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That was really fun.
0: Yeah, and you know, many of you in in our comments have said that you love our show, and we um we deserve more subscribers. So you know how you can help us with that is to share our show. Yeah, so share on social media, pass a link, pass a link on to a friend. Some if you know somebody that you think would like what we do, please mm. share it.
1: Yes, please. We well, appreciate that. It so helps
0: much. us, and you know. Yeah. The more subscribers we have, the, the more we will keep doing what we can do.
1: Absolutely. And, of course, we'll be back here on Wednesday night for a live stream. We'll update yep. you on any cases that have an update. There's a small update in the Ballow case. Um, there's whisperings that there's some big things coming in the Ballow case. But yeah. uh, so we'll they're see. just whisperings for now. So we don't know a lot, but we know that there's some movement happening. So we're excited to see where that goes. And, uh, of course, you know, as soon as we know, you'll know. But we'll keep an eye on all of our other uh, cases as well. And you never know if there's not much movement, maybe we'll just bring you a new case. You never know. We don't know what tonight's going to bring, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) we'll figure it out when we get there.
0: Yes, we will. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. We are true crime, paranormal and, uh, This has been a show about reincarnation and children. So we appreciate you being here and hope that you uh, take good care of yourselves and stay safe. Yeah.
1: Thanks, guys. Take care.